0: Let there be no doubt, while I strongly disagree with the court's decision, I accept it. I accept the finality of this outcome, which will be ratified next Monday in the Electoral College. And tonight, for the sake of our unity as a people and the strength of our democracy, I offer my concession. I also accept my responsibility, which I will discharge unconditionally. To honor the new president elect and do everything possible to help him bring Americans together in fulfillment of the great vision that our Declaration of Independence defines and that our Constitution affirms and defends. This evening, I received a gracious call from the Vice President. We agreed to meet early next week in Washington, and we agreed to do our best to heal our country after this hard fought contest. Tonight, I want to thank all the thousands of volunteers and campaign workers who worked so hard on my behalf. I also salute the vice president and his supporters for waging a spirited campaign. Welcome to C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Susan Swain. Those were the voices of President-elect George W. Bush and defeated Democratic presidential candidate Al Gore 20 years ago, following a 5-4 Supreme Court decision that ended five weeks of uncertainty in the 2000 presidential election. Our guest this week is Sandy K. Johnson, who was the Washington bureau chief for the Associated Press, overseeing the AP's election coverage. Despite enormous pressure, the AP held the line on calling the election for Governor Bush on election night, even though the broadcast news networks had done so. Sandy Johnson was a Pulitzer Prize finalist for her election night leadership. Welcome to our podcast, Sandy Johnson.
1: I'm happy to be with you.
0: Before we dive in, I do want to tell our listeners that you and I have known each other for at least a dozen years through our mutual involvement in the National Press Foundation, a journalism education nonprofit that you led and you recently retired from. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the foundation and what it does. I'm still serving on its board.
1: The National Press Foundation is a nonprofit that Uh, whose sole purpose is training and educating journalists, and they train journalists in Washington, around the country, and around the world.
0: Well, let's now go back to the year 2000, and let's start with the basics. What is the role of the AP on a presidential election night?
1: Well, um, it's manyfold. AP counts the vote. They've been counting the vote since the mid-1800s, and they also... um, uh, call races around the country from um, state legislative races, governors races up to presidential
0: and what specifically is the role of the Washington Bureau in that process?
1: Um, well, during my day, Washington ran the political coverage from start to finish and you know from the primaries up through the general campaign, and then uh, we were in charge of <clears throat> of all of the election night journalism
0: going into the election in two thousand. How close was the race between Al Gore and George W. Bush? Oh,
1: we knew going in that it was going to be a very tight race. Um, My boss used to say that elections always break, but this one just felt different. And indeed, it was just tight as a tick right up until Election Day.
0: Why did Florida turn out to be such a particularly important state in that close election?
1: Well, you know, it's crazy looking back on it because uh, Florida was important at the beginning of the night and again at the end of the night. Uh, It was a battleground state, one of many, of course, but it had 25 electoral votes at stake. And it was just utterly crucial to either candidate winning the presidency.
0: What was the process back then by which AP and the broadcast networks used to make a call on an election?
1: In the early 1990s, AP joined the television networks in a consortium called Voter News Service. Um, This Voter News Service used sophisticated computer modeling that used, um, exit polling, which is surveys of voters as they left the polls with the actual vote count combined with historical geographic and political, political, um, data. Um, it was a computer system that we used to, uh, to, uh, to make, to call close elections that otherwise would be, you know, uh, called days later when all of the votes were finally counted.
0: Going into this process, how confident were you in your role at AP and the other members of the consortium in the voter news service's ability to deliver? Well, it was always a clunky
1: system. Um, At that point, it was 10 years old and it had had fits and starts. And basically, you know, if you can imagine, you know, the thing being held together with bailing twine, um, that's how we felt about it. It made us nervous, but or um, er, aside from the actual vote count, it was the best tool available for projecting election outcomes.
0: Florida polls close at 7. So walk me through what happened next.
1: Yes, Florida was one of the first states to close. So everybody was focusing on Florida at 7 o'clock. Um, now, all of the precincts in Florida were not closed then, it was, but it was the majority of voters in the eastern part of the of the state. The uh, panhandle was still open for another hour. So everyone, everyone was looking at the um, Florida vote as it trickled in, and the uh, VNS system was combining actual vote with exit poll information, and also all signs at, at that point pointed, or, or everything pointed toward a Gore win at that point. So shortly before 8 o'clock, all the networks and AP called Florida for Gore.
0: What was the impact of that call?
1: Well, um, it jump-started Gore's uh, uh, trajectory toward what he thought was going to be an easy night. His aides were elated that they had won Florida, which, of course, at that time, the governor of Florida was George W.'s brother, Jeb Bush. Um, They thought it pointed to a, a good night for them.
0: And then how did it unfold over the next couple of hours?
1: Shortly after 9 o'clock, a big vote counting error was discovered in Duval County. Um, due to a, a human error, uh, Gore was given 42,000 votes instead of 4,200 votes. So uh, the VNS system uh, called for the vote to be retracted, and all of the networks in the AP by 10 o'clock had done their own um, uh, you know, research into what happened and decided to retract their calls, and that put Florida back into play.
0: But then at two sixteen a.m., things changed again. So, what happened between that retraction and two sixteen? Well,
1: between then and um, two o'clock in the morning, the polls, of course, were closing across the country, east to west, as uh, as they always do, and the electoral count seesaw between Gore and Bush. It turned out that Florida was going to be pivotal. Um, the polls had closed there seven hours earlier, and at that point, approximately 95% of the votes had been counted. The VNS system, the voter news system count, showed Bush with a lead of about 50,000 votes.
0: And what was the impact of that?
1: The impact of that was that Fox called the election at 216 um, based on that 50,000 vote lead, and shortly thereafter, CBS, CNN, NBC, and CNN all called the race for Bush as well now that wasn't simply calling Florida for Bush that made Bush the president-elect.
0: A couple of details about that when you call up stories now today about that period of time it is noted that Fox which was the first to make the call had as one of its lead analysts a cousin to the president well what would become the president-elect George W. Bush and his brother the governor of Florida was that an important aspect do you think of uh, that tipping point?
1: Well, none of us certainly knew it at the time. Um, the networks and AP each had their own decision editors and, you know, it was dozens of people. Uh, we knew who the lead players were at the networks and a, at AP. They're, you know, they're the ones that got together on regular phone calls, hashing out what the exit poll would be and what the, um, you know, some of the rules governing election night would be. But none of us at AP certainly knew that, um, that, uh, uh Governor Bush's cousin was on the fox team and in you know in the aftermath in the five weeks that followed uh that came out and uh, you know made some people wonder if that pushed fox into that early call but i will point out that the four networks followed closely behind
0: without having someone who had any relation so th- that's part of this whole story that is really important to your role explain to people listening to this the enormous pressure on getting the story first or early and getting it right on people in your position and the editorial leaders at the networks.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean that our mantra at AP was, um, you know, get it first, but get it right. And uh, the, um, uh, there always is enormous pressure on election night. It doesn't matter what newsroom you're in. Um, In our case, uh, because AP both counted the vote and made projections on elections up and down the ticket. Um, you know, it's, it's just a pressure cooker in not just the Washington bureau, but all of AP's bureaus and every television newsroom across the country. I mean, you can hear it in the voices when you turn on the TV on election night. the anxiety and pressure that that uh, is in the room.
0: Going back to Al Gore retracting his concession to george w bush do you remember watching all that unfold and what you were thinking uh, as a journalist and even as a citizen as you watched this process
1: um well after the networks called it uh, the vice president gore called um governor bush and um and conceded the race and was on his way to the venue where he was going to give his concession speech um AP's lead writer that night, Ron Fournier, called the Gore team and said, I just want you to know that the world's largest news service has not called this race for Bush. We think it's too close to call.
0: And lead us through why you were willing to make that telephone call. What were you seeing or not seeing that the television networks were?
1: Well, what we were seeing was that the vote was getting closer. Um, The networks called it when Bush had a lead of about 50,000 votes. Our own vote count, the AP vote count, showed Bush with a 30,000-vote lead. But most importantly, we knew that the votes that were still to be counted were clustered in Broward, Miami-Dade, and Palm Beach counties. Um, I knew that Miami-Dade and Palm Beach were heavily Democratic. I wasn't sure about Broward, so I called over Will Lester, a polling writer with many years' experience covering Florida politics, And he confirmed that Broward, too, was a Democratic stronghold. So at that point, Bush's lead was dropping like a rock. And with those Democratic strongholds coming in, it was simply too close for AP to call. And believe me, we wanted to call it. Nobody wants to be last calling a presidential race. Um, We were crunching the numbers like mad, trying to figure out what the network saw that we didn't. But uh, the lead just got closer.
0: What was happening inside AP senior management to support you in this decision? And what was the impact on newsrooms around the country who were looking to AP?
1: Uh, yes, AP services, all 1,500 American newspapers. And after the networks called it, uh, you know they rely on AP and they were like, why hasn't AP called it? Most of the calls went to AP's headquarters in New York and um, our Miami Bureau um, in Florida you know, wondering why we hadn't called it. I was very fortunate that my boss basically protected us from all of those phone calls. He's the one who took the, you know, the phone calls from the hysterical editors and the editors, the AP editors in New York, asking what's going on. Why hasn't AP called it? So, you know, I, even though it was very uh, pressure field, you know, hours, um, I felt like I never felt like I was under anything, any pressure other than to do my job and to do it correctly.
0: A couple of weeks ago, we spoke with Len Downey, who ran the Washington Post, who shared a couple of his memories of that election night. Let's listen. We had a story literally on the presses. The plates were on the presses saying Bush had won the election. Uh, and uh, before the presses started, uh, we, the, my managing editor and I, thanks to intervention by our national political editor, raising issues about whether or not the count was done, um, we, we, on the back of a piece of paper, Uh, wrote down what the vote margin was in Florida and how many votes were outstanding and realized at the very least there had to be a recount in Florida. Uh, And uh, and it was not clear who was going to win. And so I did something I never had to do any other time. I'd stop presses at various times, but I'd never call down to the press room and say, take all those plates off the press, destroy them. Do not print any newspapers with those plates. We're going to have a story coming that's going to say the election's unresolved and there'll be a recount in Florida. How does that story sound to you this time, uh, 20 years later?
1: Oh, I mean, it's very plausible that it could happen again. And, you know, I remember that night very well when dozens of American newspapers, including the New York Times, um, you know, went to press, uh, assuming that Bush had won uh, but simply because the networks had called it. Um, and, you know, many of the big newspapers after the fact, um, you know, told AP how, um, you know, how sorry they were that they didn't wait for us to make the decision and that futurely they would do so.
0: Another point in your timeline of the evening was a 4 a.m. phone call among the consortium members of the Voter News Service. What do you remember of that conversation?
1: Uh, Yes, they scrambled, VNS scrambled a phone call of the um, television networks and AP, and basically they wanted to know why AP was holding out. Um, I explained our position. I told them that at that point, Bush's lead had dwindled to 6,000, which the networks could see for themselves. And uh, the network reps, I recall, were just mad as hornets. Um, you know, Shortly before 4 o'clock, uh, the AP rep ended the call by saying, I have to go. We may have to retract our projection. Expletives deleted. And the network soon followed and retracted their calls as well.
0: We have another clip. This is NBC's Tom Brokaw, somewhere around 4.15 a.m. Eastern Time in the morning, announcing their decision. What the networks give us, the networks take it away. NBC News is now taking Florida out of Vice President Gore's column and putting it back in the too-close-to-call column. Uh, that has been the position of uh, Governor Bush throughout the evening, and his chief strategist, Carl Rove, to say nothing of his brother, Jeb Bush, who is the governor of the state of Florida. We're told that just a few moments ago that Jeb Bush told his dad, former President Bush, that we won't know about Florida until at least midnight between midnight and 1 a.m. At least midnight and 1 a.m. Well, <laughs> little did everyone know. My my personal <laughs> memories at C-SPAN of that night was we were on the air the entire night with very little information, with people coming up to the mics on either side, trying to quell the crowds who had gathered, and a very vivid memory of the staff coming in for our morning show. And we were still live on the air and had nothing to tell them. Uh, which was going to be the case in newsrooms all across the country. So for you, it was a 30-hour <laughs> marathon. So what happened next?
1: Well, by dawn, I guess when your morning show is getting ready to go on the air, um, Bush's lead had fallen to less than 2,000 votes. Um, I sent most of our staff home. I did make our poor Gore writer, Sandra Soberei, um try to understand what happened in that second phone call with Bush and um, Gore, And she got the amazing quote that um, Gore said to Bush, don't get snippy with me. Um, And then, you know, five weeks ensued of recount rooms and hanging chads and legions of lawyers and court actions.
0: And one aspect of it, which is going to be a really important story for this year, was absentee ballots. What were the rules in Florida and why did that become really an important part of your decision making as the night got closer and closer? Mm -hmm.
1: Now, One thing to recall is that um, uh, absentee votes and mail-in votes and early voting is a phenomenon that has occurred mostly since the the 2000 election. Um, at the time, Florida was one of the few states that allowed um, pretty liberal absentee voting laws and we knew from um, precedent that that Florida probably had ten percent absentee vote that wouldn't be counted until election day. It turned out it was closer to twelve percent, but because Florida has six million voters or did in two thousand that's six hundred thousand votes that were still being camp- that were still being counted
0: and became part of the process along with What we all learned about uh, hanging chads and butterfly ballots and the role of the Florida Secretary of State in declaring parts of the process. Anybody who lived through the time certainly has lots of memories of how difficult uh, and important those five weeks became and how both emotions and legalities seemed to swing from one side to the other. It all uh, came to a head in December 11th when the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in Bush v. Gore, And the next day made that 5-4 ruling that ended the election in favor of George W. Bush. So I guess we move to the lessons learned part of this conversation. Since that election, election laws, election machines and their securities are just part of the systemic changes. What did election night 2000 do for journalism?
1: Well, I hope it puts everybody on um, note that uh, voters are unpredictable and polls are unreliable. Everyone needs to go into this election night with their eyes wide open because almost anything could happen. Um, My suggestions for newsrooms is make sure you know the rules for absentee and mail-in ballots, which differ from state to state. Um, For instance, in Minnesota, um, uh, they'll accept absentee ballots until the Friday of election week. Um, in Michigan, a huge state, a huge battleground state with a lot of absentee voting, they cannot even open the ballots until Election Day. So it's important for newsrooms to understand the rules for not only the deadline for those ballots, but when they get counted. Um, I'd also suggest that newsrooms know the recount laws in your states because every state is different, as we found out in Florida. And, uh, you know, know the campaign lawyers. Who may be challenging voting rules even before election night, which we know is going on right now, as there are different fights in different states over voter ID laws and um, you know other actions that could suppress the vote in some states.
0: In in that case, the campaign lawyers for the two teams are worth noting for the history record. Uh, Warren Christopher, former Secretary of State, led the legal team for former Vice President Al Gore, and James Baker, also former Secretary of State, leading the Bush team. So that shows the indication of the high level of uh, lawyerly help that these teams are assembling and do assemble uh, as they go into the possibility of contested elections. The other aspect of it, I guess, is the question about the public's view of journalism. Do you think that journalism suffered uh, any kind of credibility issues as a result of the Florida election night, or is it something that the process itself needed some change, and the change was made?
1: Uh, sure. I mean, I think we all let the voters down on election night two thousand. Uh, it's such a competitive story, and the networks NAP and, and other newsrooms are—you um, know—you are, are, want to be first, you want to be right, but you also want to be first. And um, in that, you know, to that extent, I think voters uh, went to bed thinking one thing and woke up in the morning and, you know, found that we didn't have a president. And the five-week battle that ensued certainly didn't help um, the credibility of either journalists or the political system.
0: This time around, there are lots of forewarnings in the media about the number of absentee ballots and, and the fact that we may not know the decision on election night. Do you think that helps pave the way for... The possibility of an extended uh, count this time around and prepares the public in a way that they weren't prepared in 2000
1: i hope so i hope everybody keeps that drum beat up it's not election night 2020 it's election week or election season as i've seen some media put it so voters just need to you know take a deep breath be prepared to watch it all through the night or you know when they wake up in the morning don't assume that uh, their, the podcast they listen to or the morning news uh, or the newspaper that lands on their doorstep will have final results.
0: Let me close with a question about you. In a long and distinguished journalism career, how do you look back on that particular night, the pressure that you were under and the decisions ultimately that you made?
1: It certainly was one of two stories in my entire career where we didn't know what was gonna happen um, the next day. Uh, the other story was the aftermath of 9-11 um but i you know i'm very proud of um my ap team and how they performed that night and uh the pulitzer prize finalist is something that is uh you know recognition of the work that we did that night
0: sandy johnson thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the weekly 20 years seems as if it has gone by in the blink of an eye but a lot of history has been made over those years and here we are at yet another momentous election Thank you for all your recollections on Election Day 2000 as we count down to Election Day 2020.
1: Thank you.